I actually got so tired of it that I left Obi. I loved Obi so much, but I got to the point to where I couldn't stand what we were doing and how we were caring for the moms anymore. I'm Cynthia Overgaard, owner of Hypnobirthing of Connecticut, childbirth advocate, and postpartum support specialist. And I'm Trisha Ludwig, certified nurse midwife and international board-certified lactation consultant. And this is the Down to Birth Podcast. Childbirth is something we're made to do, but how do we have our safest and most satisfying experience in today's medical culture? Let's dispel the myths and get down to birth. My name is Shelby, and I worked as a postpartum nurse for almost three years and spent a lot of time in maternity just in general with the nursery that we had downstairs in labor. Um, My area of expertise is arguably more so postpartum, but I have a lot of insight as to what goes on down in labor land. Cynthia and I had a little chat a couple of weeks ago, almost a month ago at this point, about my experiences and things that I was taught, things that I noticed surrounding childbirth and postpartum and life in the hospital once you give birth and going through that process. So Shelby, after hypnobirthing class, you stayed on the line chatting with me and some other couples for a while. And you were saying, this is how we were trained in the hospital. These are some of the things I was told. And I said, we just have to get you on the podcast to talk about this because I always figured that in a hospital setting that, you know, in, in, in the most extreme sort of hospital setting where there isn't support for visit for a physiological birth, where there's a lot of rhetoric, there's when there's a lot of manipulation of the laboring mother, I figured these things were sort of a culture of the hospital, which I'm sure they are. And you'll talk about, I always figured these things were sort of like a, a wink, wink, or just an understood covert sort of vibe, but you were saying they were more overt where there was more language around how to train the hospital staff to, I guess I I got the impression, deal with or manage the laboring women. Can you start to talk about some of those things that you were sharing with me? Yeah, it just, it was such an interesting learning environment. Um, I started out in postpartum as a new grad right out of nursing school and then spent those three years at the same hospital. So it was very, very interesting learning there from all of these nurses and doctors who have spent a majority of their career dealing with and managing these women. It's wild. Some of the things that those doctors have said, I I've sat there at the labor desk and listened to a physician who had a woman um, attempting a VBAC say, Oh, I don't have the time to deal with this today. My son has a soccer game tonight and I need to be there. I think I'm going to go tell her that her baby is deselling and we just need to do a C-section. And that poor woman believed the doctor and she went back and thought her body had failed her. Her VBAC failed. Her baby was a stress when that wasn't the case. And she had a C-section and thought it was necessary. How did people around you act in that moment? Any other nurses? Did anybody speak up? Did he just, did he even feel an ounce of guilt or shame in saying that? The crazy thing to me is it was actually one of our women doctors. She, we hear this all the time. 
Oh my gosh. You know, she's in a But I did picture with... a man. I did picture a man. I, know. I, just, I was right know. there. <laughs> we probably shouldn't put this part in, but we have a physician who we jokingly say he has, or we have dinner with his C-sections happen at four o'clock. The baby is in distress. He pulls cord gases after the delivery to prove the baby was in distress. What does that mean? Um, Can you explain that again? Explain. I'll believe out his name if you want me to, but please explain what you're saying. He, you put in quotes that he baby has D cells at four o'clock. He yeah. gives C sections because he wants to head home. But mm-hmm. can you explain the next thing you said? Yeah. So a lot of the times these doctors will do what's called cord gases. So they draw blood from. Um, you'll have to forgive me because I'm not sure if it's the umbilical artery or vein, um, but it's the blood supply to the baby. And essentially they look at, um, it, it, it basically, it tells you whether the baby was actually being compromised or not. So it's yeah. helpful to have this data in case you go to lawsuit to say, oh yes, the cord, the blood oxygen level, the, the pH of the cord blood mm-hmm. was in a dangerous level. So therefore the, the C-section was justified or alternatively, if you didn't do a C-section and you draw cord gases, you can safely say this baby was not compromised. Later, yeah. d- later down the line, they have cerebral palsy or something. How did know, he manipulate uh, that? How did he create that evidence? This physician specifically would say things like, we need to save your baby. Your baby is in danger. If we don't do this, your baby could potentially die. That's what he would say. And it was all a lie. He did that religiously at around 4 p.m. Yeah. to end his shift with a C-section each day. Yep. And basically, if there was any kind of um, slight trend in the direction that maybe there was a little bit of fetal distress, um, like showing on those cord gases, he would say, oh, yeah, these gases, they just they, they proved your baby. We got your baby out in time before things got too crazy bad. Right. That would be you know, more the way they could justify yeah. it by saying, I, yeah, I, we, I, we birthed your baby before your baby was in too much distress. Why right? didn't he just let them continue with their births and let another doctor take over? Because his shift wasn't over. Why, why didn't he just let her transition over to a different doctor? Was it so he could get one more C-section on his, his shift probably didn't end until seven or 8 PM. And he wanted to be off work at five because he had plans. I'm, I'm trying to say, is this about money? I feel like a lot of stuff in the hospital is about money. Let's talk it's about, about both. That. Let's it's talk about, about both. It. He gets paid more for doing a C-section mm-hmm. and he gets home two hours earlier. Yeah. That sounds like a good deal for him. And they can control it. They get to control the entire thing. There's no... If he has no one in labor, he doesn't have to be at the hospital. Yeah. Let's talk about revenue. What were you saying? Tell mm-hmm. us more. Oh, I so much in the hospital is geared towards revenue. I, I can't tell you how many times I heard from upper management at, on my unit that we didn't make the hospital enough money. Right. You don't meet the quota. Yeah. We, we didn't meet the quota. Our, our patient census ebbed and flowed so, so much. Um, that's why I spent so much time down on our labor unit, just because we, a lot of the times didn't have enough postpartum patients to fill up our postpartum floor. So they would leave them in their labor rooms and just have the postpartum nurses come downstairs to take care of them on the labor unit. But it, which again was kind of a money saving move. Um, staffing at my hospital was more so focused on meeting budgetary guidelines than safely caring for patients. And I feel like a lot of units are like that in the hospital. It's, it's geared towards 
uh, meeting your budget and not safely caring for patients. I can't tell you how many times I was given unsafe patient ratios and attempted to refuse them and was told by my supervisor that I didn't get a say. Tell us what you mean. Explain that to the lay person. (laughs) So patient (laughs) ratios and nurse to patient ratios are the amount of patients or in, in my unit, because I was a couplet care postpartum nurse, how many uh, rooms of moms and babies I would get. So one mom and one baby is considered a couplet. So a safe couplet care assignment would be three to four couplets, um, meaning you have three pairs of moms and babies. Um, I want to say in California, California's uh, nursing union states a safe ratio is three. So one nurse to three couplets. mm Mm-hmm. Yes. And and that's, that's what would be considered safe according to California standards. And I want to say there was actually something that came out too, not too long ago, um, where it was like the nursing association for America. I, I cannot remember what it was called, but they had come out with guidelines for, uh, safe nurse to patient ratios. And they said the safe ratio for a couplet was also three to one nurse. So I was often given four couplets, which wasn't necessarily a big deal, but there were many, many times where I had five or six couplets, many of which were really, really heavy assignments. You know, a a mom who had hemorrhaged, we had a situation once where the poor lady had an emergency C-section, rightfully so the baby's cord had prolapsed. And because it was an emergency they didn't do a count of the laps. They do uh, like a lap count prior to the C-section, which are the sponges. So they have the, the sponges that they'll, they'll use to soak up the blood during the surgery. And they have to count them to make sure that nothing gets left behind um, in the surgery. And so they count at the start and they count yeah. at the end. And then because they didn't do a count, they... Yeah, they had to, they had to open her back up. And they left a sponge inside her. Yeah, they, they actually didn't, they thought they did and they didn't. So they opened her back up for no reason. Oh my gosh. I just, that the whole thought of that is so sad and painful that they had to do that to that woman. Exactly. That had to be devastating. And then it was a mistake. Okay. Nothing in here. We're fine. Oh, there it is. Like this, is this what's going on? Yeah. Essentially, except for there was never a lap inside. Right. The, oh, like, oh no. Oh, there it is. I meant like, oh, there it is across the room on a chair. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> so basically this was one of your six women on that assignment. Exactly. I, it was a day where I had, I had a, a woman who had a postpartum hemorrhage. I had this poor woman who had to be opened up twice for no reason other than staff mistake. Sloppiness. And then sloppiness. Yeah. And then, you know, I had a mom whose baby had to be flown out to a different hospital. Oh my gosh. Um, because it was in our NICU and needed to be transferred to a higher level of care. And then I had, you know, two normal. As a nurse, what's your responsibility? Is it to make sure they're physically in check or that you're emotionally supportive to them? In or my both. opinion, it's it's both. It's I both. feel like emotional is in un- your opinion, but in the hospitals, it's in, safety, in the hospitals, yeah. it's, it's purely about making sure you, no one's you know, dying. You take their vitals and you do the physical things and you document 
adequately in the chart. They don't care if you have any emotional availability. Well, and that's, that's, you know, one of the biggest things that I noticed is there's no importance really placed on the emotional well-being of the moms. It's you chart and you cover your booty in case they ever decide to come after you in court. That's really what our care was geared towards is covering ourselves. It, did you chart adequately? Adequately? Did you cover all your bases? Okay, then we don't really care what else happens during your shift. And and did you do enough that we're going to meet our bottom line? I mean, everything you're describing so far comes back to the hospital is a business and they mm-hmm. care more about their bottom line and covering their ass yeah. than they do about the patient experience. Exactly. And it's it's so sad. I kind of became the queen of encouraging patients to fire the nurses that they didn't like <laughs> Wow! because so many of the nurses at our hospital just didn't care. I, you know, we're getting so far away from actually caring for the person and only looking for abnormalities or issues, um, within their body. And if there's nothing wrong, then we don't care. And we're just going to leave them alone. Hey there, all you amazing, strong, and beautiful women, especially you new moms and moms-to-be. I'm Taylor, co-founder and CEO of Vitality. And I'm Taylor's sister, Chloe, co-founder and chief design officer. We started Vitality to encourage and empower everyone to live a vibrant life. We're all about supporting women, especially on the journey to motherhood. When I was pregnant, I really struggled to find comfy leggings that I could wear all day, every day. So we set out to make the best maternity pants out there. We took those pain points and designed pieces that were supportive and comfortable, including details like a high-rise fit, underbelly seam, raw cut hems, and to top it off, we have an embedded silicone panel that acts like a built-in suspension system for your low back, which is the first of its kind. So we designed this line in our Marshmallow Soft Cloud 2 fabric in not only a maternity pant, but a volley and biker short as well. Let me tell you, all of these pieces are a game changer. Just go to shopvitality.com. And cherry on top, you guys can use code DOWNTOBIRTH at checkout to get 10% off your order. 10% off athleisure designed for pregnancy during pregnancy. Down to Birth is sponsored by Postpartum Soothe. Recovering from a vaginal birth takes many women by surprise. Everyday activities like sitting, walking, and going to the bathroom can be uncomfortable, and Postpartum Soothe is just the remedy to support your healing and relieve discomfort. Postpartum Soothe is a 100% organic herbal blend that's applied to maternity pads in the days immediately following your birth, giving you all the benefits of a sits bath 24-7. That's because herbs like comfrey leaf, uva ursi, and witch hazel are known for their antimicrobial and anti-inflammatory properties. Postpartum Soothe can be prepared any time during the third trimester, and it makes a beautiful baby gift. It's a must for any woman seeking a faster, easier recovery from a vaginal birth. Visit postpartumsoothe.com. That's postpartumsoothe, S-O-O-T-H-E dot com, and use promo code DOWNTOBIRTH. Did you know that 97% of women take a prenatal vitamin, yet 95% of us are still deficient in key nutrients for pregnancy and postpartum? After a long time searching for the optimal prenatal nutrition product, we bring you Needed, a radically better prenatal vitamin. Needed's nutritional products offer nutrients that your body can utilize with doses at optimal versus bare minimum levels and are available in capsules and an easy-to-take vanilla powder 
perfect for those moms with pill fatigue or nausea. Needed is a woman-founded company offering a superior nutritional product lineup backed by research, data, and insights from nearly 4,000 women's health experts. Needed offers premium supplements for every stage from egg quality support for women trying to conceive to lactation support for breastfeeding. And you know, Cynthia and I, we love their botanical sleep and relaxation support packets before bedtime. So if you are looking for a radically different prenatal, head on over to thisisneeded.com and enter down to birth for 20% off your first order. I have a question for you about their practice of keeping records in the event of litigation. Do the records show that let's say this patient had a nurse who was stretched to six couplets at this time, does that go on the patient's record? It's a very significant part of the treatment or the absence of treatment. Does it go on it? Yeah. To my knowledge, there's like an assignment book where they write in the nurses and how many patients they had. I don't know how those records are kept or how long they're kept for. But the hospital also has ways of justifying their lower coverage at the time. You know, they they'll mm-hmm. have, I'm sure they, they, they're not blatantly violating policies that they would get in trouble for. I'm sure they have ways of, yeah, it's not black and white. Why. Yeah, exactly. They get away with it. Right. They yeah. get away with it. Um, you had told me some specific examples that took place in the maternity ward that I found really interesting. And it was after I taught a class, I think it was the class where I teach positions and breathing techniques because your jaw was kind of dropped at the end because you were merging. Um, I mean, you already started very informed in the natural field, but uh, you were still saying, oh my gosh, like you were almost like Cynthia, if all of you knew how, how these conversations are happening. And you said something to me, correct me. It was something like, we are trained to discourage mobility. When a laboring woman walks through the door, one of the very first questions that they're asked is, do you want an epidural? And I had noticed so many nurses who didn't like caring for patients who were going natural because it kind of made their work. job more difficult. It, yeah, it's a lot more work. If you have a patient with an epidural, they're in bed, they're on a monitor. You don't really have to worry about going in and adjusting the monitor consistently because they're stuck in one spot. They can't really move and flop and flip back and forth. So you can sit out at the labor desk and you can eat your snacks and drink your drinks and chat with your friends and stare at your monitor and you don't have to be in the room with the patient. But if you have a woman who doesn't want an epidural and she wants to be in the shower or she wants to be on a ball or she wants to walk around the unit, there's a lot more that goes into caring for her in the hospital, especially with the charting that's required um, and the documentation that's required. I'm assuming it's, Trisha, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but arguably much more different than if you were to give birth in a birthing center or something like that. Um, You mean the level of documentation? Yeah. 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 Probably. Yes. Because I, it's the way our documentation is geared is it's geared towards a an intervention filled birth. Um, so there's a lot of boxes that essentially have to be checked and marked off and you can't do that as as easily if your patient is up and moving and walking around and you're constantly having to put your patient on the monitor, taking them off when they want to move back on. Um, so it's just a lot more work. And if your patient is immobilized and laying in bed, 
you're going to have an easy shift. And I say easy with quotes. <laughs> Did you ever hear um, medical staff doctors talking behind a patient's back in a disrespectful way? Oh, 100%. And you know, and I, I had mentioned this in class, I, I had said, I feel like nurses nowadays are trained to fear the woman who doesn't want interventions. What are some of those comments? Oh my gosh. One specifically that pops into my head is, um, oh, these, these parents, they, they think they know better than the doctors. They're not the ones with the degree. Who are they? They don't know anything. Or one of my favorites is when we get parents who decline the newborn medications, the vitamin K, the hepatitis B um, injection and erythromycin. Yeah. The parents who decline those, I can't tell you how many times I've heard those parents are so ignorant. They're so stupid. They don't even know what they're talking about. Do you, why, why would you ever decline that for your children? And there were a couple of nurses who had made these comments, you know, we, we give report at the change of shift to fill our nurses, the oncoming nurses in on how our patients are doing and what's going on with them. Well, part of that in postpartum is this parent declined the meds for their baby, or this parent gave hepatitis B, but declined the eye ointment or something along the lines of that. One of my favorite comments was, are you kidding me? Another one of these crunchy moms again, that doesn't know what she's talking about. Oh, I, I, I can't believe this. To which my response was, well, have you read an insert? Mm. And the nurse goes, what's that? Oh, come on. And I was like, you know, the uh, information that comes inside of the box for this medication that tells you all of the risks and side effects. She was like, well, well, no, I haven't. And I was like, oh, that's funny. Did you know that this is a side effect? How did like, you no. not know what an insert is? I know. And, right, and so I was like well, let's go look. So I pulled it out and she was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, yeah, so that's why these parents are declining this. Maybe because they read and that was their choice. Yeah. So they describe the patients as crunchy. I would say I'm probably a little crunchy too. <laughs> what is it like for you being the queen of telling the patients to fire their nurse? How does that influence you as um, an employee there? What do you feel like when you go to work and how are you treated? You know, I think in my case, I was pretty lucky. A lot of my coworkers had gotten to the point where I think they had a lot of respect for me because they realized how hard I worked and the research that I had done, they didn't agree with it. <laughs> um, a lot of them didn't, but I kind of felt like I was tiptoeing around and walking on eggshells around a lot of the doctors and nurses. You know, I had all of these opinions and things that I wanted to speak my mind on. I would mainly you know, encourage our patients and not so much relay that to the staff just because, you know, you work with these doctors and I arguably some nurses could probably say, you know, there's a little bit of fear surrounding the doctors. You don't want to make them mad. You don't want to have a poor relationship with these doctors because you're stuck working with them every day you're there. So it definitely was like walking on eggshells. I actually got so tired of it that I left OB. I loved OB so much, but I got to the point to where I couldn't stand what we were doing and how we were caring for the moms anymore. And right before I left, I was actually offered an opportunity to either train and become a NICU nurse or a labor nurse. 
And it's kind of crazy looking back on now because going into nursing school, my ultimate dream was becoming a labor nurse. That's what I wanted to do right out of college. And I was so sad that they made me start in postpartum. And um, that was all I wanted to do. The first year of nursing, every couple of months, it was, when can I go to labor? When can I go to labor? And I turned it down just because the way that we're trained and the way that we interact with the patients wasn't really what I wanted to do anymore. How, in your experience from what you witnessed working as a labor and delivery nurse, how many C-sections would you say were done unnecessarily for women? What percentage? At my hospital? Are we, are we saying how many, like, we're not talking about just C-section percentage. We're talking about how many C-section were were unnecessary, correct? Exactly. Yes. How many C-sections do you think were done prematurely, unnecessarily? Unethically. Honestly. (laughs) Unethically. Yeah. Honestly, I feel like probably 80%. And we had an extremely, extremely high C-section rate at my hospital. I, and again, it, it comes down to physicians, but from what I've seen, our hospital likely had a way higher C-section rate than most of the other hospitals here uh, around us. What's the most important thing for women to know before they have their hospital birth? You're in charge. Yeah, you you absolutely are in charge. And that's, you know, a, a lot of nurses and doctors won't tell you that but you are, we can't touch you without your permission. We can't do anything without your permission. And, you know, when a doctor comes into your room and says, okay, well, we're gonna do this and you nod your head, it's implied you're consenting. You have every single right to tell them no, to stand up for yourself, to fire the nurse that you don't like. Or the doctor. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you are so much more empowered and have way, way more say in your care than most nurses and doctors will make it out to be. And if you have that right nurse, it it makes it even easier. Thanks for joining us at the Down to Birth Show. You can reach us at Down to Birth Show on Instagram or email us at contact at downtobirthshow.com. All of Cynthia's classes and Trisha's breastfeeding services are held live online, serving women and couples everywhere. Please remember this information is made available to you for educational and informational purposes only. It is in no way a substitute for medical advice. For our full disclaimer, visit downtobirthshow.com slash disclaimer. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, hear everyone and listen to yourself. Oh, sorry. No, you were, it was fine. We were, you're only three weeks postpartum. I know really. Um, and yeah, this, this, this will last a long time. This feeling like at the women in my postpartum group were like, huh, what? Like how much sleep do you get last night? I have no idea. Like they're just, it's, it's, they don't even know.